Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Alt Med podcast. Um, so I'm getting a bit excited about this one. Um, I've got my trusty co-host with me as always, Mitchell Kurtz. He's in Hello. the house, well, he's in his house, I should say, his apartment. Um, and we have also joining us today, the general manager of CA Clinics. It is Dolly Shukla. Dolly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Um, we've got so much to talk to you about. Um, so maybe, um, you know, everyone's got a bit of an interesting story, how they ended up working in medical cannabis and yours is no exception, I'm sure. Can you take us through what your background is and, and how you got into this space? Yep, sure. So um, I've got medical, um, so working experience in medical industry for over 16 years. Um, I started as a very junior role and, you know, progressed in the role. Majority of my work experience is in the hospital. Um, so I've worked in the hospital for about 12, 13 years. Then I worked um, in primary care. Got an experience pretty much in everywhere that I can think of. I've worked in inpatient, outpatient wards, um, pretty much any organ that you can think of. So I had good idea of, um, you know, how it feels working in um, these industries, but I never had any exposure at all to, you know, how it feels working with um, cannabis clinics. And um, mm. this opportunity came um, about mid last year, you know, and um, I was actually looking to work in something different, something challenging something that's alternative therapy that can change people's life and I applied for that job and um, yeah a team um, who's the um, owner of the company who was quite impressed um, with it and so I joined um, SCA clinics it is quite interesting to see you know how we're changing people's life with the alternative um, therapy that's um, we've been providing that's medical cannabis yeah amazing it's uh, it, it you know there's quite a few people that that have that uh, experience. I think when they come from other areas of the medical profession, unfortunately, there's some people working in this industry that have no medical background. Enter Andrew and myself. Um, yeah. But it, it is always good to have people that actually. Understand yeah, I mean, someone um, someone would have some personal story behind it, and that's how they joined um, cannabis industry. With me, it was more of, um, you know, working in a different industry and sort of making more all around myself. And, um, yeah, when I looked at it, now um, I look at and treat patients and, you know, I feel very emotional that how we're making difference in each and every single patient's life these days. You know, when we get thank yous from patients and family members, it feels pretty good that, you know, we're actually doing something. I never mm. felt that way before working in the hospital, you know, I never felt that way in a primary care at all. I felt like working in a business um, rather than, you know, making some difference in people's life. Mm, mm. And it's, it's amazing to think about how many people have missed out on this over the years when it could have re really just been such a help, you know, for the last, well, for at least the last hundred years, um, if not yeah, more than that. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, I, I know that you have a, a little bit of an interest in, in how things came to be in Australia as well, in terms of the regulation. Yeah. Um, was, was that something that you were interested in, in chatting about? Yeah, well, um, look, the regulations are um, there, um, but, you know, more about, uh, I would want to, you know, get these regulations get eased a little bit um, if they can, so that we can treat more patients. At the moment, regulations are quite tight. Mm. Um 
yeah yeah what 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 do you think um in specifically could be an improvement from your perspective being a medical professional in the field um, well, um, look, at the moment, the process is quite slow. Um, the TGA approvals are quite slow. Um, you know, the DBA approvals are quite slow. We do have a lot of DBA patients and um, we feel that we could treat them faster and uh, very efficiently if the uh, government process was um, a bit efficient. Um, they, I understand they have their, um, you know, enough time, they've got workload, but if the approval process was faster enough rather than waiting for two months for the approval to come when patient can die. You know, there are a lot of DVA patients who are suicidal. Um, there are a lot of patients, um, DVA patients particularly, who's got severe, severe chronic pain and trauma. So if I want to treat those patients, but we can't prescribe any medications until we get the approval from DBA. So I feel that the approval process can be, far, uh, you know, a little bit faster than what it is right now. That's crazy. Okay. I, I must admit, I wasn't aware that DBA processing time was that long because I know that, um, you know, patients that I've spoken to who are taking medical cannabis talk about, I, I think the speed at which the TGA has has taken it has improved but that, that is insane to think that there are veterans out there who are waiting all that time for you know potentially life-saving treatment options um yeah. so i'm really yeah so do you uh, you were saying i think before we we jumped on to the episode speaking beforehand that a lot of your work comes from managing complex cases and you know yeah. really probably um uh, well, I, I, don't let me describe it, actually. What, what's, can you maybe give me a, a background or an overview of, of the types of cases? That you, yeah, the patients that you're seeing and, and what kind of therapy options are available for them? Yeah, so well, the type of patients, basically whoever um, it has chronic illness, whether it's cancer patients who are taking chemotherapy, radiation therapy, um, patient who has um, severe trauma, PTSD, depression, severe anxiety, um, you know, severe pain, patient who has been going through um, really bad headache uh, for 15, 17 years. So we've had this kind of patients, basically someone who's suffering badly, badly, um, who tried many painkillers, who tried several, several drugs, but they, they would have some impact um, of those drugs, but not sort of relaxing, soothing feeling, you know, that you get with medical cannabis treatments and um, those kind of patients that we treat. DBA um, is one of my favorite part because I feel that, you know, those patients have gone through hell in their life and, um, you know, um, they also have gone through trauma, um, severe pain, um, anxiety, depression, and they, this cream, when some of the patients that I've handled, they literally, not just them, the partner is also screaming and asking for help when the medications are not being prescribed on time. So, and that's purely because of the approval process. So these kind of patients we treat um, at the moment, someone's, and every single patient that we've treated at CA clinics so far are very happy and sort of thanking us and doctors for changing their life. Mm. And when you're talking about so those major those major indications, I guess what what are they usually presenting all together, or, or is it something that you would treat people for 
um, you know, mental illness um, specifically, or are you kind of taking a holistic approach to do PTSD plus pain plus, you know, a, a range of, of medicines? Do you keep them on some painkillers? Do you take them completely off? What's the, a little bit of the process? Okay. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not allowed to say anything on sure. the clinical side, um, but we do. So uh, the journey starts with um, a screening patient, identifying if patient is really fitting to uh, medical cannabis treatment or not. Mm-hmm. Once that gets screened, um, it goes to the next level that is um, having a consultation with the doctor. And when doctor consults, doctor, um, you know, suggests some medications. So um, sometimes it depending on the doctor. So sometimes patients do um, try to, you know, not have painkillers and have medical cannabis. Some patients do have side effects from medical cannabis, but they get go away within a week. And side effects we're talking about, you know, sometimes they feel super dizzy if they're not used to it, you know, or, mm. or they, find bit, uh, they find a little bit of vomiting, nauseating, um, those kind of side effects they feel. So um, initially when they start the treatment, I don't think so they can um, go off completely from those painkillers, but slowly, slowly um, they would want to, and they're happy to get rid of those painkillers because they feel um, the reason why they came, another reason why they come to us because they feel that in longer term, painkillers do have side effects and they stop working, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas cannabis, I'm sure you guys know as well, medical cannabis treatments or medical cannabis products, they they don't have side effects, number one, um, major side effects. Number two, um, they work the same no matter on the first day or the last day. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there is some, I mean, there is some tolerance that's built up with THC. We do see that. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, you know, some people, especially THC tends to have, if, you know, you're talking about side effects, that's the one that has much more we see. You know, yeah. or some. Uh, I'm I'm interested. So, do you see patients um, with PTSD or anxiety come through on 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 THC medications as well? Because be interested yeah. to know that that's that's a common thing. Yeah. So they do. Um, doctors do prescribe um, THC to PTSD um, and CB anxiety. We're talking someone who has got uh, mild um, anxiety. Um, that's again, um, you know, assessed by the doctor. And if doctor thinks that this patient, they will start at a lower dose of CBD oil, and then slowly, slowly, they will gradually. If the if patient is not getting better, because we have to make sure that these patients are not getting addicted. Um, as well to these drugs because we purely the purpose is to treat patients Mm. you know so doctors do start with CBD oil um, those who has mild um, mild anxiety but those who has um, CB anxiety and PTSD yes they do start with THC and have you had um, I'm just curious when you see someone for example who comes to the clinic that maybe has, you know, been on opioids or heavy duty pain medicine for a while. Have you found that, you know, other say, because you have specialist pain clinics from Mm. which some of these patients might have come from. And we know that not all, but some doctors in that field do not believe in medical cannabis. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Those doctors are... (laughs) clearly not um, seeing the research 
that's out there. But anyway, um, do you have you experienced resistance from some of the, the doctors that, that your clinic doctors are working with? Um, well, look, I do have one particular doctor. So we do have specialists, you know, various different types of specialists and uh, pain specialist um, is my number one um, priority to hire at the moment. And um, I have one specialist, um, you know, who does not believe in partially, but still wants to work at CA clinics. And that's purely, and it's very interesting because he, the way how he joined us, it, he was a patient of ours um, to get medical treatment who did not believe in medical cannabis treatments at all. And then he became a doctor of ours. So, um, you know, we do get a little bit of pushback from these doctors um, and they still want to, they're working in medical cannabis clinics. They still want to prescribe painkillers. They still want to prescribe non-medical cannabis uh, medications. And it's a no-no. And uh, obviously, I would say 2% or 3%, not major pushback. Interesting. And what what kind of... Um... What kind of product formats are you seeing, especially in um, DVA patients? Is it more geared towards flour or oils or capsules or, you know, vapes? What's, um, what's Flowers the... and vapes are more popular uh, with DVA patients. Hmm. Um, basically, at the end, um, you know, and um, they get funded as well, as you may know, that DVA products get funded by DVA. Yep. So um, uh, flowers are very popular um, in DVA patients, I would say not just DVA patients, any patients who are, and also cancer patients, neurological mm. patients as well. Mm. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely big cohorts. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it makes sense. It's probably flowers, the, the, the age old format, right? It's been around for thousands of years. It's been yeah. there since, you know, Ayurvedic <laughs> it makes. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure they, they have tried it before even become, uh, getting it legally, you know, they've tried before 2016. Um, they would have tried it from the black market. Poor thing, they had no option but to get, you know, some sort of help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And is, is that, I mean, how, how is a, a patient looked at if they do come from the black market? Is it is it usually looked, this is a question we, we hear a lot, you know, um, should I tell the doctor that I've been taking black market cannabis or not? Is it like, will I get in trouble? Will it help me get, a script or you know if i tell them that this works for me um how, how's it received from the clinic side of things um so we do get a lot and lot of queries um especially i would say complain and that's again to do with um dba uh, approving process that's delaying and um they are the mainly DVA patients who always threat us saying that, you know, well, um, just to let you know, before coming to you guys, um, I was getting my products from black market and I'm going to go um, to black markets again. And if cops tops me for any reason, I'm going to tell CA clinics about uh, that CA clinic is not giving me my medications and I'm going back to black market. So we do get a lot. Uh, and I would say majority of them are because TGA products gets approved within 24 to 48 hours. Um, so that's not a problem. But DVA are the one who usually go to black market um, a lot. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's a pretty timely question as well. Um, just because I think more and more people are switching from black market to legal products. There was mm. some research done 
think it was last year or the year before by the Lambert Initiative at, at Sydney Uni suggesting that, you know, fewer than 5% of, of medical cannabis users are actually obtaining it legally. Um, mm. And so, you know, for a lot of people, obviously price is a factor, but even I was going to say that. Yeah. Do you think like, because from what I hear about pricing of CBD oils on the black market, on the internet and, and the price of um, people just buying cannabis um, flower black market, it, it doesn't really seem like there's much of an advantage there anymore for the black market dealers. And in some cases, they're much more expensive than legal products. Yeah. Is that yeah. your experience? Yes, we do. Our products, or not our products, our medical cannabis products are very expensive. Um, it's not, you know, obviously DBA um, patients do get funded 100%, um, but they can cost you anywhere from $200 to $4,000, $5,000. Mm. So they're not cheap products at all so that there is one more other reason again but we're talking about it's not going to give you the same um benefit it's not going to give you the same treatment or the um you know uh, result that you would get uh, with the medical cannabis products that we prescribe to these patients but it is very costly i have to say if i was a doctor and um in case it's not abundantly obvious i most certainly am not a doctor um but if i was and somebody came to me and said you know dr dowling um i've been taking uh <laughs> taking, got a ring to it does that have a ring bit of alliteration um yeah. dr dowling i've been taking some cbd oil black market i the first thing i'd say is are you sure like because so much of what people like somebody could have just been sold some sunflower oil or you know what i mean like there's just absolutely no way to verify when it's black market and i do say this to people i'm not again if somebody has um a cannabis medicine that's working for them uh, i don't you know i'm not going to tell them where and from who they should get it but yeah i I definitely think that the attraction obviously with with obtaining legal products especially now at a point where it's it's very competitive with with black market and often cheaper is that you know what you're going to get. And obviously that's helpful for a prescribing doctor so that they can properly dose for a patient. But it's also just good for a patient to learn more about what it is that they're actually taking and what their tolerance is. Exactly. So that's the main thing. You know, um, you don't just go to medical cannabis clinics just for the marijuana products. You do get a proper education, you know, you do get taught um, when to take, what to take, what amount to take, what to expect. So there's a proper education with each consultation that goes in with them. Um, it's not just uh, they come to and say, hey, I want marijuana, give me marijuana. So yeah. it, it's not that. So, um, but still black market is there. Um, I'm really hoping, I was the other day watching this insight on SBS. Um, mm. About illegal and- medicine or something? No, it was about uh, a, a psychedelic um, treatments, and mm-hmm. I was watching that, and um, it was very interesting um, to watch that show. Very emotional. Every single patient that was in that room um, started somewhere through black market, and now became a patient of medical cannabis clinic. You know, um, but they started somewhere, and they had to go through that channel of black market purely because they couldn't get help um but then now when they're getting professional help they're appreciating that help because you know they 
they're getting proper education about it and they're pretty much very happy not only that they're keeping track of their medications black market patients not gonna these people not gonna know when to take when is it due is it monthly can i take um you know we do see people dying because of overdosing as well so all these things is to protect people save people um and educate people and hopefully you know make huge difference in their life yeah one of the things though that just kind of returning to this holistic perspective and it's something we've grappled with and, and sort of spoken about i think previously on the show is but it's it's this idea that um so i, I was overseas um not too long or back in april um mm. a few weeks ago and, and i could see cbd oil available at pharmacies and, and all of this and oh, on the counter yeah not even over the counter where you have to present your driver's license or something like this which is potentially what it will look like in australia um it was literally on the shelf next to you know wow. cod, cod liver oil and all the supplements and all that sort of thing and i it just got me thinking you know this is clearly being marketed to people for well-being you know no one this isn't somebody going to a doctor and saying you know i have a problem i've got you know pain sleep disorder anxiety i need help this is somebody just incorporating cbd oil into their daily routine maybe with vitamins or, or something else and yeah. it's just amazing i think that in australia we have been boxed into thinking about it as a prescription only medicine that requires yeah. a doctor's intervention um, requires tga approval requires you all know. these things right yeah. and you know I, i'm not here to promote the use or supply of it in in the the way that i talk about it but i'm just making the observation that from a regulatory standpoint, Australia's approach is not aligned with other parts of the world. And I know that that, that might seem obvious, but I really do wish that the regulators would actually take stock of what the outcomes are for people in countries around the world. You know, yeah. if, if CBD oil has such a low um, chance of, of causing any harm or, or side effects, then yeah. is it is it really appropriate that we have it as a schedule four at the moment or even it's a schedule three? Three. It will be S3. Um, eventually it will you will be able to get it over the um, counter, but mm. not as yet. Um, I would say um, you know, people are doing research and um, obviously Australia is doing extra we all whenever we do research, we sort mm. of do um, go extra um, mile forward mm. and it will be we will be able to get it um in about two years yeah i mean i, I think Wait. of it like i know this might seem crazy but i think a cup of coffee actually has potentially more side effects than a dose Agreed. of cbd you know what i mean I, low like dose how, of cbd oil yeah yeah and how easy is it to go and get a cup of coffee but you know so anyway sorry that was just a, an observation while i was there <laughs> i just realized the rest of the world is uh is doing it very differently, but um, yeah. yeah. Wait, which country, which country was this? Can I ask? Yeah, sure. So UK, France. Um, I don't recall seeing it in Italy, but it probably was there. Um, yeah. And Netherlands. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, they had it many years ago. They started selling it on um, in the pharmacy or the counter many years ago. So yeah. we will get there. We'll definitely get there. So, yeah. but. Yeah, no, not any 
absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, what's in, in terms of the, I guess the, the broader, you were talking about that show with psychedelics, is that an, an area that CA clinics might expand into, or is it just for the time being the kind of the scope of alternative medicines being offered at CA clinics is, is just medical cannabis for the time being? For the time being, we will be looking into that. Uh, but um, uh, at the moment, um, purely uh, medical cannabis products. Okay. No, excellent. Yeah. And if, and, and I'm, uh, yeah, I hope I haven't um, misunderstood. So it's to be a patient at CA clinics, it's more that you're seeing the complex cases, but CA clinics services everyone, right? So you, you could be just somebody who's having a little bit of difficulty sleeping, and you can speak yeah. to a doctor, you know, you don't need to be, you know, in, in a more um, severe or serious illness in order to No, Okay. So we do, um, we do screen patients. Uh, we don't want uh, the, the reason behind it. We don't want just to treat any patient to every patient on the road. Mm. We want to make sure that we are actually helping people who need help. Um, yeah. You know, um, and having said that, we do have a sister company um, called CA Connect, and um, which well, uh, over there you can get a low dose of CBD oil um, over there. Um, for that, you don't need any GP referral letter. You still get a, a professional uh, practitioner consultation first and education done before you get the medication prescribed to you. So for those um, categories are someone who can't sleep, someone who has a little bit of headache, uh, someone who has mild um, anxiety. Um, and so maybe early stage of anxiety, we treat those patients with low dose of CBD oil. And if those patients can't get treated with those products, then they get referred straight to CA clinics. Right. Okay. Well, that seems like a, a sensible approach. And it's, I assume then, yeah, the, the, if, if a patient is presenting with more milder symptoms, the extent of, uh, you know, backgrounding all of the facets of a, of a patient's information and details is, is probably less. Um, but I imagine the patients that you're dealing with in, in your sphere, are, you know, many years trying lots of different uh, prescriptions and that sort of thing. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They, I would say chronically ill and, um, you know, every patient that I have, you know, we've got 15,000 patients or more than 15,000 active patients, but patients that I have dealt with myself personally have gone through and they, when they come to me, they're usually in tears. Um, and that's purely because they need help. You know, they've gone ev everywhere. They could not find help. And, um, you know, sometimes partner is ringing and telling me my wife is dying. Can you please help? I just want her to die peacefully. So, you know, um, it is quite, uh, I started as a challenge um, CA clinics and now it has become very personal to me because I sort of feel that I'm making huge difference in people's life. Well, I, I did actually, and, and we obviously have to be sensitive to, um, you know, patient doctor confidentiality. So I don't, mm. but can you, um, you know, maybe at a very kind of, high level give a description of you know some of the types of patient outcomes that you've seen um obviously you know without disclosing any anything sure. that would identify someone but 
um, yeah, I'd be very interested to hear about um, some of these patient journeys where you're, you're obviously really, the clinic is really making yeah, a difference. Sure. So I had a patient who um, was, I wouldn't say much, so cancer patient, um, you know, um, and last stage cancer patient um, over, is on chemotherapy um, and um, some other therapies as well. Um, you know, that therapy is making the patient completely um, sick, uh, you know, that patient is in a lot of pain and uh, comes to me, mother comes to me and asking for help. And um, we've, uh, within uh, within two months, not even within two months, I would say within two weeks, patient started feeling the result. Patient could walk, patient could talk, patient could sort of enjoying and living the life. And that was a result within two, three weeks. Um, and that patient's mother was so satisfied that, you know, patients started finally this journey with us. Um, DVA patients, they come very angry, very, very, um, you know, sick, uh, complaining about their um, pain and their trauma that they've gone through, you know, all the veterans patients, I would say for that sake. And um, they, they come complaining about, you know, I don't think so you can do anything. My pain is terrible. I wake up with nightmares, um, you know. Um, I wake up with, with some horrible nightmares that I'm going to die. And um, within four or five weeks, um, they actually living their life. They're spending time with their friends. They, they were the one who's, who would just not get out of the bed. Um, and they're the patient we're talking about um, within five weeks, six weeks of time, this treatment with medical cannabis at CA clinics, they actually enjoying their social life, you know, talking to other people, they're going out um, and enjoying their actual life that they do deserve. That's great. I love to hear that. And I, I can understand as well, you know, the there's been a lot of talk in the media, I think recently just about, you know, the treatment generally of, of veterans and, and, you know, whether the government is really providing enough support to them. And I can imagine, yeah, there's a lot of frustration there when, and then you have to. Um, the, the reason why these patients do feel frustrated because they feel that no one wants to treat DBA patients. And mm -hmm. I personally, NCA clinics as well, welcome every single DBA patient out there. Um, these DBA patients get refused by so many clinics out there. And, um, you know, we do not want to refuse or um, turn them away at all because I know what pain they've gone through. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. It's not just, it's not just price. Like people forget that access is, is one of the biggest issues. It's, right. it's just, it's not even, it, it's, it's, I mean, there's price, there's access. People don't even know that it's available as a treatment. When I, I, I take it, we, I mean, we take it for granted because we're in the industry all the time and speaking to people and all this, but, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and you say, you know, you're working in the cannabis industry and they're like, what, is that legal? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. You see, um, when I started, uh, and this is a bit funny, when I started this job, I, um, so I'm very uh, vocal in uh, LinkedIn right and um, because of my job I, I had to be very proactive on LinkedIn and when I started this job again I started as a challenge I did not see the actual inside of it for me it was like a tick box that I wanted to tick that I've worked in every single area but I did not work in cannabis and if I can work in cannabis I can prove that I'm an all-rounder mm. but now I'm very proud that I'm working in medical cannabis and, you know, I can tell anyone out there that, you know, what difference, you know, we're making in people's life. 
So it was just a test at the start. It was. I took it as a challenge. Um, I did not tell or share with anyone that I'm working in medical cannabis. As a general manager, I did not say. I said that I'm just working in a um, healthcare company that deals uh, works with specialists, but I did not say anything in detail. But now I'm very proud to say that I'm working in medical cannabis. No, that's so you're awesome. Good. You're a convert. We, we like that. It's every, every other, you know, professional that's working out there, we, we like to convert them because, you know, it is, it really is. And you're seeing it firsthand, you know, you're having the same experience that many doctors have, you know, not learning about it at um, university and, and the rest, and, and then coming into the industry and, and just being wowed by the factor and, and the, um, the experiences and the anecdotal evidence that, that, we still do have a lot of um, pain specialists and um, rehab uh, specialist doctors who um, are not so, you know, I ask them to send me some of their blogs, some of their, um, you know, um, for me to advertise them on our website. And they they said, Dolly, we don't want to go out and about, about informing people that we work in medical cannabis. And I was like, why not? Mm. I assume yeah. in, in some cases, either it's the stigma associated with cannabis and its recreational history, or perhaps as I have been able to confirm with some pain doctors who are very vocal about, um, you know, cannabis not, not being what everyone knows it to be, um, that they have themselves conflict of interest with, uh, you know, with existing um, commercial arrangements with with companies. I agree with you, and um, this is where I don't know if you have ever noticed or covered anything to do with HIV patients. Um, I and team were discussing this yesterday. Um, that yes, we do have all types of chronically ill patients minus HIV patients. Where um, if you know that the um, six areas. Based on six areas, the cannabis was approved in Australia in 2016 and HIV was number one. And uh, you'd be surprised to know that we don't have one patient um, who ha who's HIV. So basically no HIV patients, but results are amazing. Um, you know, they haven't tried it. Those patients do also have some nerve pain and that's killing nerve pain. Um, but yeah, we're not treating at the moment. So I would want to make, you know, want to aware of those patients out there, um, HIV patients, and, you know, the treatment is available. But I guess because they get um, better treatment in the hospital, that's not costing them much. And that's why they're not coming again. Well, yeah, it's the PBS um, subsidy plays a role, I'm sure, in, in price okay. points. But, yeah, yeah it's, it sounds, though, like the thing I really like about, uh, you know, the work that, that you're doing is that you're really – you know, you're not at all, um, you know, you're not at all bothered about really a patient's history or how complex their case might be. You know, with open arms, you're saying, come talk to us. You can at least explore options, um, yeah. you know, with alternative medicine. Maybe just, you know, there's no harm in, in trying something new if you've been on something for years and it's only having limited efficacy um so I, I love that i think that's great yeah look i've worked in many areas and i can say i've worked in orthopedic cardiology immunology hiv infectious disease um pretty much every organ like i said at the beginning of this interview and um i'm you know um i want those patients who are suffering out there to come 
you know, come forward. Some of the patients are still shy. You know, some of the patients are still, um, still has that, you know, stigma that I don't want to try cannabis. It's, it's wrong. So. Yeah. yeah, we, we, we have definitely, I mean, yeah, particular older age groups who have, you know, for 50 years dealt with the war on drugs kind of messaging from government. It's um, yeah, there's still, still a lot of stigma to work through, but. Um, well, we yeah. do, we do treat five, 10% of patients who are in aged care as well. So, but again, I'd like to treat more patients in that side. Again, they're in so much pain. So if they can live their last few years peacefully, why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Well, yeah. Did you have any more questions, Mitch? I'm sure I'll have a few that will always hit I me think, after the episode. I think the question that we always ask, yeah, or not always anymore, but a, a good question for this one, um, considering just you know, coming from outside of cannabis and seeing the transformation yourself is, do you think we will get to a space where medical cannabis is no longer medical, it's just cannabis and we've legalised? Mm, tricky question. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, look, Schedule 8, um, uh, you know, uh, will still has to be uh, medical cannabis. Yep. S4, yes, um, but um, I think S8 can never be uh, without a proper, um, you know, approval channels. So you don't, so for example, the fact that we have um, THC available over the counter in Canada and America, you don't think that that can happen in Australia? Well, I would say it might happen. I don't want to say anything just now, but let's say in eight, 10 years, maybe. The reason why, because then, you know, we would have many patients, uh, you know, using it um, for no reason. I would just go and um, say that, okay, well, I have a problem sleeping. Can I get it? So yeah. Yeah, I don't want cool. patients to misuse it. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, yeah, I see, I see the experience of alcohol um for this one and again it's based on the research uh, that australia is doing currently so um yeah it's hard to tell right i do get a lot of patients coming um and uh, not me but the query gets sent to me um saying that oh i'm from uh, i'm from america i used to take this product in america how much is it to get it and i was like okay well i roll my eyes and say that well it's not that simple we have to go through proper process, um, you know, and we can then see if we can help you or not. And they're always like, what? You have to do all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Dolly. Really appreciate your time and your insights. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're definitely the first person that we've had on the show who's really kind of taken us for a bit of a deep dive into what it's like to, to be, you know, a part of a clinic that's treating some pretty complex cases. And, and we yeah. obviously applaud that because, you know, cannabis medicine should be available for everyone, no matter how mild or severe your um, your right. are. So, yeah, we love that. We um yeah we'll wrap it up there but we'll um we'll keep in touch we might even try and uh, get you on for another episode in the future but, uh, we'll, it's, it's been absolute, yeah absolute pleasure chatting with you and take care we'll um, until next time we'll speak soon thanks Dolly thank you, thank you. Okay. have a good week bye bye, bye. Cheers.